0: Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors educational podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. I'm here today with Robert A. Conway. Bob is a retired KPMG LLP audit partner and more recently spent nine years at the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, where he was the regional leader of inspections for the PCOP's offices in Los Angeles and Irvine, California. Bob recently published a book in titled, The Truth About Public Accounting. I'll start by asking you, Bob, what motivated you to write The Truth About Public Accounting?
1: Well, first, Jeff, thank you for uh, having me on the podcast today. I wrote The Truth About Public Accounting to help audit committees, public company management, and audit professionals understand the tangled web of audit firm and engagement team risks that threaten to undermine audit quality and can lead to an audit failure. So while the auditors are focused on each company's risk profile, audit committees and investors should additionally be focused on managing the risks that each audit team and audit firm bring to the audit. At the highest level, there are three broad categories of risks and conflicting pressures that threaten to undermine audit quality. First and highest on the list, well, they're they're all important, but, but first, Uh, is the conflict between audit quality and profitability. There's naturally tension in the system. You know, do you do more? Do you do less? Above all, you certainly want to achieve an audit of suitable quality. Second grouping would be the conflict between audit quality and client retention. And this gets into the issues about independence and professional skepticism. You know, the audit firms are under great pressure to retain clients. And, uh, you know, that that pressure uh, threatens to undermine making the right decisions uh, when it comes to matters of audit quality. And then lastly, are the risks associated with multinational audits? My book addresses all three categories of conflicting pressures and the things audit committees can do to mitigate these threats to audit quality.
0: So Bob, for, for the sake of our discussion today, I'd like to drill down on the conflict between audit quality and profitability. Uh, You have some insights here that I believe our listeners will find both interesting and useful.
1: Well, my critical observation here is that the audit firm business model is a complete mismatch for the complexity auditors need to master to conduct audits of high quality. I'll start with the realities of the large audit firm business model. That staffing model is characterized by heavy staff workloads that lead to high turnover. The high turnover drives down both the audit staff experience levels, and the year-over-year continuity of the audit staff on individual audit engagements. Compounding matters, the audit partners and managers are also saddled with heavy workloads that threaten to undermine the quality and timeliness of supervisory review. To sum it up, there's a heightened risk that inexperienced audit staff will be inadequately supervised. The transparency reports published by the largest audit firms provide data that support what I'm telling you about turnover, experience levels, and low year-over-year continuity of audit staff. That data shows a 33% annual turnover rate among audit professionals with three to five years of experience at the Big Four. That data also supports my estimate that the average years of audit staff experience after CPA licensing works out to be only 1.3 years of experience. With respect to the complexity that auditors are expected to master, because I'm talking about the mismatch between complexity and experience levels in the business model, I'll share a few tidbits of information that will help you understand what I'm talking about. The printed version of the FASB's codification of the accounting standards is over 10,000 pages long. To help auditors and clients understand how to apply the codification, the big four firms have all developed their own interpretive guidance. For example, one of the big four firms has published interpretive guides covering 34 different subject areas in accounting. Those 34 guides are a combined total of 8,434 pages long. One example, the guide on derivatives and hedging alone totals 644 pages. Several other accounting guides on individual subjects are over 500 pages long. Above and beyond that, there are the PCAOB auditing standards and all that has been written about internal controls over financial reporting. This also does not include the complexities of contract law and today's commerce. It literally takes decades to become proficient in these subject areas. At the end of the day, this mismatch of complexity and low experience levels is part of the reason we continue to see a high level of deficiencies in PCAOB inspection reports for the big four. It's also important to note that the big four business model is also inherently inefficient. Low engagement continuity means new auditors are in a constant state of getting up to speed on understanding each client's industry, operations, accounting processes, and controls. Enormous investments in both formal training and on-the-job training are lost each year due to high turnover. At just about the time, the less experienced staff are beginning to show some signs of proficiency. Poor audit quality is also inefficient in the sense that it drives up legal fees and settlements. Simply put, If you and I were going to design an audit firm staffing model from scratch to deal with the level of complexity that exists today, we would not go for heavy workloads, high turnover, and low year-over-year continuity. There's also considerable academic research over the last decade, uh, and that's described in my book, that supports the conclusion that turnover and the loss of continuity are bad for audit quality.
0: So, Bob, uh, how did we get here? Why hasn't our system of free enterprise and competition yielded a better solution for financial statement audits that better serves investor needs?
1: Well, that's a great question, and it's something that I've given considerable thought to. Uh, Years ago, I made a recommendation to the Treasury Department's Advisory Committee on the Auditing Profession to draw attention to the issues that I've described uh, already about uh, complexity and the uh, issues with the staffing model. And, and in that recommendation, I also advanced a solution. I asserted that audits had fallen victim t- to commodity pricing because the large firms had failed to differentiate themselves based on quality. And, and I could see that from my years of experience as a Big Four audit partner. The, uh, the competition on price was was uh, really cutthroat. What was interesting during the advisory committee proceedings, the co-chair of that committee and former chief accountant Don Nicolaisen made the following comment. The firms compete primarily on the basis of cost. That's been the history of the profession, and it has been disastrous for investors and for the firms. So so bear in mind, you know, Don Nicolaisen, not only the SEC chief accountant, but a uh, Uh, very senior partner uh, with PwC, you know, prior to his time uh, at the SEC. So, with commodity pricing, the only way the audit firms have been able to achieve suitable levels of profitability has been to squeeze professionals for productivity, hence the heavy workload, high turnover, low experience business model that is both inefficient and a mismatch for the level of complexity auditors need to master.
0: So, Bob, I I understand you see some hope on the horizon for achieving your vision of a better audit firm staffing model. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, you know, this uh, was a big motivating force for uh, me to write my book. To date, the PCAOB's approach to improving audit quality has been to identify deficient auditing and leave it up to the audit firms to figure out how to fix the deficient auditing. Improvements to the business model have been minimal because the business model is directly connected to a sacred cow, audit firm profitability. Audit committees, this is where I think it gets interesting, audit committees acting out of self-interest, I believe, will pay higher fees if the audit firms can demonstrate they are delivering better experience levels and better year-over-year continuity. The path out of the commodity pricing swamp is to give audit committees more information at both the engagement level and the office level about the expertise that the audit firm delivers to each individual engagement. In 18 years of standard setting, you know, roughly how long the PCAOB has been around, none of the PCAOB's enacted standards have done anything to improve how the audit firms manage or should I say mismanage, their human capital. This really needs to change. There is a glimmer of hope that this might change. The PCAOB issued a long overdue concept release in December 2019 titled, Potential Approach to Revisions to PCAOB Quality Control Standards. This concept release discusses potential revisions to the PCAOB's archaic QC standards that largely predate the failure of Arthur Anderson and the audit failures of Enron, WorldCom, and others. In my public response to the PCOB's concept release, I described how upgraded quality control standards could improve human capital management and audit quality by defining safe zones of operations for audits, with mandatory reporting to the audit committee when the operational metrics for an individual audit indicate that the audit is being conducted outside of predefined safe zones. For instance, the existence of excessive workloads, excessive turnover, low continuity, low experience levels, low levels of supervision, and failure to meet project milestones for the review of interim work and the work performed by specialists. These are metrics that lend themselves to easy tracking and in many cases are already being monitored by the audit firms. The reporting to the audit committee would also describe the remedial action taken by the audit team to assure that audit quality was not compromised by operations outside of the safe zones. As it stands now, audit committees and investors typically do not know whether their audit was the victim of human capital mismanagement. Audits are not like widgets with uniform quality. Instead, they vary considerably in terms of how each audit report gets across the finish line, not just from office to office, but from individual audit to audit. A little transparency here can change that. If the incumbent auditor can't deliver better workloads, experience levels, continuity, and supervision, audit committees should be looking at competing firms with a demonstrated track record of delivering experience using the operational metrics described in my book. I'll offer one caveat. Safe zones of operation will not guarantee audit quality, but they will improve each audit team's foundational ability to conduct an audit of high quality. Conversely, audit operations outside of the safe zones will be significantly challenged to deliver audits of high quality. Audit committees and investors will be much better served with this information than without. The PCAOB has unfortunately signaled that it will likely mimic the quality control standards set forth by the International Auditing and Assurance Standards Board, the IAASB, in its draft International Standard on Quality Management 1, otherwise known as ISQM 1, for the sake of aligning global quality control standards. I do not see that approach leading to a meaningful change in how the audit firms manage or mismanage their human capital. That approach would be the easiest approach for the PCAOB to follow, but not the best approach for the PCAOB to follow for the sake of the profession, audit committees, and investors. As you know, the PCAOB recently received considerable criticism from departing PCAOB board member Jay Brown for not being adequately focused on the interests of investors. My thoughts about how to improve the quality control standards, definitely prioritize the needs and interests of investors first, and I certainly hope that the PCAOB will do the same.
0: That concludes our podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank our special guest, Robert A. Conway. Bob's new book is entitled The Truth About Public Accounting, available on amazon.com. And I read the book last weekend and thoroughly enjoyed it. Anyone who's interested in the public accounting profession and the work of the PCOB, I highly recommend it. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at jeff, J-E-F-F, at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.